You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. After studying occupational therapy in college, Don Hemmeline went to work with the VA and is still involved with their summer and winter adaptive sports clinics for disabled veterans. She is now a clinical education and outreach specialist with Mobius Mobility. So we chat with her about the iBot, a unique and versatile mobility device. So, Don, I thought we would just start by talking a little bit about you and uh, particularly how you got into this field. Well, you know, after graduating from OT school, um, I started working out at a VA hospital. And as a new grad, you know, salaries are not their highest. And I might have had a couple of um, hobbies that cost some money. And so for me to be able to continue doing those things, which really the big thing for me was skiing, um, I quickly learned that if I went and taught ski lessons, I would get free ski passes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm a good skier. I'm not a great skier. And um, I found that um, my passion for working with folks with disabilities led me to do disabled skiing. So um, I started doing adapted ski lessons. And um, with that, I found I just came home and I had stacks and stacks of of free ski passes that I never used because I kept going to the mountain and I enjoyed doing the lessons so much um, that that's really where my focus turned. uh, And I really kind of was able to bridge those two things, working in the hospital and then working outside the hospital, kind of continuing that rehab. Um, so that was always, that was always super fun for me. I became a certified monoski instructor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got very lucky. What really launched it for me, um, when I was working at the VA, a, a colleague of mine found out that I was doing this. And um, she goes, oh my gosh, the veterans do a ski clinic in Colorado in the winter, and we would really like you to come out and teach for a week. And I was like, wait a minute, you, for my job, you want me to go and teach skiing for a week? I'm like, (laughs) all in. (laughs) And and so that's where I learned about the um, Veterans, uh, National Veterans Winter Sports Clinic. And it's something that I have continued to work with for the last, I don't know, 22 years, I think I'm at. Um, And then that bridged right over into the National Veterans Wheelchair Games, um, which I've also been very lucky to be part of. And I go as a classifier. And so in these different roles, I've been able to see such a wide uh, um, arena of sports and adaptation. And some of it has been more formal and others has been very, uh, you know, cut paste duct tape on the side to make things work. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and so it's nice to have those kind of things that I can bring to others. And and so but how did you even get into wanting to study occupational therapy though? Oh, you know, that was one of those weird 
situations where I was on campus and, you know, you meet somebody and you're like, hi, what's your major? (laughs) And somebody told me they were going to be an OT. And I had no idea what an occupational therapist was. And um, I I took that as an opportunity to do a little research because it sounded intriguing. And um, it was full speed ahead from that moment. So obviously, uh, working in the VA, that's a great, great place to to uh, use occupational therapy background and 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 schooling. Uh, what was your home mountain when you when you were doing all of this adaptive skiing? Well, it started out we were at um, at Snoqualmie Pass, so I was out working in Seattle. Um, you know, with the rain and the slush and everything else, uh, it did not ever stop us from going up every Friday night to teach ski lessons. Um, so it started there, and and that was with a, a group called Ski for All, mm-hmm. and so they were a, an early program with doing a lot of adaptive uh, skiing, and then moved back to Vermont, and in Vermont we did some uh, teaching up at Sugarbush. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. Of course, one of, adaptive ski and with, sport. I was going to say with one of our member organizations. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. And and so, in addition to the winter side, as you mentioned, you got to experience the summer side with the with the national uh, wheelchair sports games, and and so now you're like it's all all seasons, right? <laughs> all seasons, yes, absolutely, because we recreate all seasons. You know, um, you know, one of the things. I've always, it's always been, recreation is very important to me. And and I I feel it's very important to my patients when I'm working in the hospital. And it's really that we do a lot of rehab inside these sterile walls, um, but the rehab continues outside of that. And until people are back and re-engaged with their sports and recreation, I don't think that the job is done, you know, so I find it's a way that I can carry those skills out and still, you know, volunteer and give back to the community with something that I think is, is really important. Yeah. And that's, I I think you just mentioned a very critical point. I mean, um, until you're back in your own community and in, in your own space where you're comfortable and where you have family and friends and acquaintances and can do sports or recreation and enjoy it where you live that's that is that is where we are able to come you know kind of the the whole way if you will <laughs> well exactly i think in a lot of cases when we have individual individuals who have had an injury or a disease process that has uh impacted their identity right if if they've had such a change that they're not able to do or feel the same way that they did previously you know um I think it's a loss of identity. So in in most cases, if you ask somebody, hey, Dawn, tell me about yourself. I can say, well, I'm a mom and I'm an occupational therapist and I'm a skier. And on some days I'm a pretty good golfer. And, you know, but but we associate um, the things that we do and enjoy as part of uh, a definition of who we are. And so after injury or illness, uh, I think people lose that. And so I just think it's that one extra piece for me to feel like I've done my job right is to kind of help people get back and and find that thing again. Absolutely. And how did you get connected to like Mobius Mobility? So, uh, gosh, that's... 
you know, it's it's a small community out there, right? I don't, I realize we live in a big country, um, but it is a small community in, in healthcare and in, if especially in the adaptive sports world. And so um, a friend of mine who I've worked with many years in these uh, adaptive sports arenas, as well as at the VA, was giving a lecture one day and um, some people from Mobius were present. And this was well before the um, iBot was launched. And afterwards, they were like, that's it. We need a clinician to kind of help, you know, um, mm. bridge that gap between the, the product and then the actual end users. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when my friend found out that they were looking for this um, and where they were located in Manchester, New Hampshire, she was like, oh my gosh, you need my friend on. <laughs> and so she connected us um, and it's, it's a great match. You know, I, I really like to think outside the box. I like people to really get back and be engaged in their lives, in their community and outside of their home. And a product like the iBot does that. So it allows me to not only continue what I love to do, but do it with a product that I make, that makes sense, that I believe in, that's going to provide that and offer that service to people. And and so you got to come on board before it, the iBot was officially launched? I did. I did. So it was so fun for me to work with engineers and we start, they'd show up and they're like, well, what do you think about this? And they'll show me maybe, maybe the toggle switches or the buttons that they were going to use and, and, and to be able to collaborate with them on the design and thinking about how people might use the equipment and, and are we, um, meeting people's needs and then calling in some friends out there, real people who are going to be really using the equipment. So not just me, um, but those real users to be able to say, oh yeah, this is better. or We don't like this so much. And um, so that's, it was a really fun process for me to start there and then um, be part of the launch process. And now we are full speed ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's such a smart way of of thinking for a company uh, and, and to realize that they needed someone like you to definitely bridge that gap. And it's great to have a, you can have a great product, but if you're not able to, you know, make it work and even connect with the end user, then, you know, you're definitely missing opportunities. So I'm glad that that they realized that. And, and so, you know, just in general, tell me a little bit about the company and why it was created. And, and, I, and obviously we'll talk a little bit about the iBot separately, but just in general, the company itself. Yeah. So the company is Mobius Mobility and um, the product is the iBot power mobility device. And so many years ago, uh, the inventor, Dean Kamen, uh, this is as the story goes, you know, <laughs> Dean Kamen had seen uh, an individual trying to enter a, a shopping mall and the challenges that they had getting over a curb, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and, you know, I think for any inventor, it just gets the wheels turning of, wow, I see a problem <laughs> <laughs> that should we should be able to fix that. Um and then um, later seeing the same individual unable to reach things um, that were positioned high in a store and think mm -hmm. like, okay, that's another problem, you know? And so he eventually went back to his team of engineers and was like, we need to fix this. Um, and so that's where they started the design of the iBot. Um, when they were designing it, people might be very familiar with the Segway. 
And you'll see a lot of similarities there. And that's because when the iBot was being designed, uh, the engineers were, you know, kind of sitting and moving on the device. And all of a sudden, boop, this other, <laughs> this other invention came out of the original design of the iBot. So the iBot came first. Mm -hmm. The the segue actually came second. Huh. And but because it's not a medical device, it was able to be launched a lot earlier and, and go out there. Um, and so then the iBot kept moving along. It's had to go through quite a few hoops with uh, the FDA. It's a medical device and it can be used to go up and down stairs and it can be used to go into balance mode. So somebody's at eye level and that that was a hard one. The FDA had to really uh, think about that and try to figure out where and how they could um, class that appropriately. And, and so that was a little more of a challenge and took a little more time. I think that's so cool. I had no idea that the Segway was second. Oh, wow. I mean, and and that, but that makes sense, obviously, in our industry, though, the, the safety and the, all the precautions that are, that are critical to, to ensure that individuals with dis physical disabilities are, you know, able to use a product safely and, and uh, properly. You definitely understand that it takes more time to to uh, to actually roll out a product like that. But I had no idea that that it actually the, the idea for it came before the segue. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a fun one. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously before the product is launched, um, any company with a new product is doing beta testing and all kinds of testing. How did, uh, from just your perspective, how did you see like the improvements or the in incremental advances kind of continue to advance the, the thinking and the and the efficiency behind the iBot? Well, so the iBot originally came out in like, I think it was 2003. And it was out for a short time with Johnson & Johnson um, were selling it at that point. Hmm. The whole, the challenge was when the FDA classed it, they put it in as a, uh, well, I'm going to get this wrong. I can't remember if it's a class two, class three, but it switched from one to the other. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. uh, and it was the one that was very restrictive. It was like in, in the same category as like, uh, pacemakers or a deep brain stimulator, right? So if you go and want to change a wire, you need to resubmit to the FDA. That's a huge, that needs a thorough review. But when we're looking at something as a wheelchair and we need to change the seat to have lateral supports, or we need swing away footrests instead of a center mount, we don't have the time or the money to submit back to the FDA. We need to be able to have that configurability. And um, when when the original iBot was, when it was classed, it was not classed allowing for that flexibility. And so after about six years or so, it was taken off the market for that reason. Um, mm. Every, the, the rights, the patent, everything went back to the inventor um, because it wasn't a flaw in the system. It was, it was, it was a limited market um, because of that class. And so um, there was, uh, at that point, there was some re-engineering done before it was resubmitted to the FDA. And um, one of the big things was the batteries. Mm -hmm. Anyone who relies on batteries for their mobility, boy, they know batteries inside and out as they should. Uh, nobody wants to be stuck. Um, and so it also impacts the weight of the device itself and weight matters. And so um, with the battery re being re redone, we now use lithium ion batteries. And so we have six battery bays 
batteries. And um, what's come standard are four lithium ion batteries that allow the device to go anywhere between 17 and almost 22 miles on a full Ooh. charge. Mm -hmm. Now, in these six battery bays, there's two blanks. And so for people who tend to need more, you know, if they're really heavy users or they're using it in a uh, uh, in a way that's more demand on the battery, you know, it gives them the opportunity to add more batteries and be able to kind of fit their lifestyle. Mm. Um, so I think that's really valuable. The lower weight, people are always surprised to hear the weight, um, which that impacts, um, you know, people and, and being able to use certain lift systems um, and using their cars or using the, um, the hitch that goes on the back. And so all of those other reasons are very valuable with yeah. that battery technology. Mm -hmm. And now we have, the, we use ultra low max seating. Um, and so we can change out and configure the seat size and all the components and a different backrest and a different headrest, all of that. So that the user, um, so that the device fits the user. We don't want them to try to fit in, you know, the limited size that was previously mm -hmm. available. This now is customizable. So, yeah, so it's basically a custom fit almost to an extent for every user and uh, as more user friendly as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and how many, I guess, iterations would you say that the new the, the latest product is in? Because any type of product like this, there's always advances in technology and research and information. So what, what would you say you're in right now? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I'd hedge a bet on that one, which I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that's that's all right. I, I just know that that happens in, I mean, particularly, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been able to experience in the adaptive sports space, just the advances in technology in, in just like a decade or, or two, or even just like a couple of years is just phenomenal. So I know that uh, as, as, a, as an inventor and as a researcher, mm -hmm. you know, always working to make that product better. I can tell you, we do have a few of the older generations uh, you know, in our office for display. <laughs> <laughs> right. For eventual museum, right? Once you, exactly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I'd love to talk about kind of as is a twofold question is, is just some examples of how the iBot is, ha, has been beneficial for just everyday use. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love to also kind of uh, follow that up with uh, examples of how the iBot has been used in kind of a sports and recreational uh, space, because I know that it's a versatile uh, piece of equipment uh, for, for individuals. And so I'd love to just kind of separate those two a little bit. Yeah. So when we look at it from an everyday perspective, um, it's really like having five different wheelchairs in one. And so I think it's you have to kind of wrap your head around this. You are sitting in one device, and in that one device, you can be in standard mode. So it looks like and operates just like a typical wheelchair. Perfect for indoors. Um, you know, you can go over little inch and a half obstacles, kind of like thresholds, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. It's fine going down the sidewalk, you know, if it's a pretty flat level surface. Um, and so in, in that case, it works out well, and it's very comparable to other power chairs. Um, but from there, you can transition by pushing a button, it will go into four wheel mode. And so four wheel mode is my favorite. It is one that allows you to really get out in your community. So in this mode, you can go over five inch obstacles. 
So it allows you to go up and down a curb. Uh, You can go over the grass, through the snow, over the gravel, through the sand, you know. So all of a sudden, these places that were previously inaccessible um, or people may have tried and have not been successful. Mm -hmm. um, uh, The eye battle gets you there, you know, and um, for me, I always try to circle back and think, okay, how would I feel about that? Or what is it that I would want if I needed power mobility? I can tell you, I would not want anyone to say, Dawn, you cannot go over there because your mobility device will not allow you to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, oh, I would not take that well. And, and so I think about it from an everyday perspective. I mean, people get out of their cars and they may have grass or or gravel right next to their driveway where I've heard stories of people getting stuck in in their power chair and had to have somebody push them out. The iBot, they can drive right out of that. You know, at the same time, people have um, pets, they have children that want to go to the playground. Uh, you can go and, and join them. And that's part of life. I mean, mm-hmm. some of that's that true. may be looked at as recreation, but I look at that as more just a, t- a standard uh, requirement for living. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so that four wheel mode is a real favorite of mine. It also there's a sense of security when you're in it and going um, down a slope. So a number of times, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, if you're going down a steep incline, if you're in a manual chair, you might do it in a wheelie, or you're holding on you know, with this death grip onto the armrest so that your body doesn't fall forward. Well, the iPod has this super cool feature that happens automatically, it self levels. So the seat, operates independent of the wheels as the wheels follow the terrain the seat adjusts and so it maintains that same sitting position for the entire time so people don't have that feeling and i don't think people should be scared when they are outside just trying to move around typical terrain that anyone else might um, encounter when they're walking well, and with gravity, you know, if you have no uh, use of your core, you know, um, if 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 you if you were the old model, the gravity might take your body over, and then you're not necessarily able to uh, to k- kind of reposition yourself. So, I think that's a, a really unique element yeah. to the to this uh, this this particular device. Yeah, and so then if if you're not out on the grass or going through the snow or the sand, um, you can if you're back on some level surface, you can go with one flick of a button. You can go up into balance mode, and so that's where people tend to see that Segway association because you're actually up on two wheels, and you're able to drive in this position. And now you can interact with people at an eye to eye level. Um, I had a friend of mine who uses an iBot and he's, he calls this stair mode. And I was like, this is not for the stairs. He goes, no stair mode. He goes, people see me, people look at me. And in other cases, people would look past me. And so that's where it's a mode that, um, brings positive attention. Um, and and so there's a, a psychological uh, health impact with feeling that you're part of a conversation, part of a community um, mm-hmm. that that eye level, I think, provides. That's so cool. 
Yeah. And you can drive around in balance mode, you know, <laughs> at a pretty good walking speed. Um, and so that's that can be very useful for folks. It also gives you the opportunity to reach things off of higher shelves. You know, if you're in a typical uh, wheelchair, you're... Um, vertical environment, right? The things that are around you that are above your arm's reach are not accessible. That leaves you having a lot of stuff on your countertops at home. <laughs> and I mean, we always all need more counter, more cabinets, right? And if you can't even use half of them because you can't reach them, um, I think that's un unfortunate. And right. So it's, and it's one thing to have your home, you know, maybe ex, uh, built or uh, modified to be accessible, but, you know, grocery stores, uh, you know, the shelves on grocery stores and any, you know, and lots of, and, and, and many other places aren't necessarily built for that. So, so this is a, an important tool too. Yes. And so then there's a, another mode that you can go into all you're still sitting in the same device and that is going into stair mode and where you can sit in the device and actually by holding on to a railing or having somebody who's trained to assist you, you be sitting in the device and go up and down the stairs. And so that, you know, I think for a lot of people, if people were coming to my house, I have three steps to get in my house. You know, uh, I don't want my house to be inaccessible to people. Um, I don't recommend it for people who think that now they can live on the second story of their home. Um, I think it's just, I like a good exit strategy and that doesn't really provide one, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you can certainly be in stair mode and go up and down a full flight of stairs. We had somebody at one point do all the steps at Red Rocks. Mm. Uh, that's a lot of steps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We have somebody else who was uh, touring the Washington, D.C. area and was able to go up and down the steps at the Lincoln Memorial. You know, mm. these kind of things uh, it's, are meaningful. Same thing as entering a restaurant. I think if you ask a lot of, of wheelchair users, they may say, oh, yeah, I've seen the back kitchens many times because they have to enter through a back entrance if there is not a, a ramped or accessible one in the front. Um, I don't know. I think people would rather enter through the front. And yeah, so particularly this is an old, old, yeah, Particularly in old buildings or in big cities, you know, like New York City, we do an event every year in New York City and always have mm -hmm. a lot of our, a lot of the folks that join us for that event have those exact challenges in terms of trying to access a restaurant or, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, or a place that they want to visit in, in the city. Yes. I've also found in some of my travels, especially down south, the um, just even going off your driveway where the, you're in a lot of areas that are flood prone, there's such a, a dip off the driveway to enter the road that a lot of people can't even leave their property in a power chair without the risk of, of it tipping. Mm -hmm. And so it's one more thing that that's easy to be able to get right over. And that you can do in four wheel. It's certainly not a stair mode situation, but just thinking about that access um, in and around a community. Yeah. And then there's one other mode that we often forget to talk about, but I think is really helpful is called remote mode. And in this mode, um, if the device is unoccupied, so a person cannot be sitting in it, you select remote mode and it will go up a 20 degree incline. And so 20 degrees, that's really significant. And so with a set of portable ramps, 
Somebody could load that in the back of their truck. They could load it in the back of some diff- some larger SUVs. So it becomes really great for a transportability standpoint, mm-hmm. um, especially for people who like to travel. There are not a lot of uh, accessible vehicles out there on the rental market. If somebody else is traveling and they rented it first, you know, it, it, we don't want it to hinder your, your travels. And so um, this way, all you need to travel with is a set of portable ramps and you can load it and unload it as though it was um, cargo. Hmm. Wow. And I know even just through those five different um, modes, you already talked about ways that it could be used in sports and recreation. I know that a lot of conversations and interactions within our adaptive sports and recreation space seems to kind of focus on going out on a on a trail where there could be gravel or rocks mm-hmm. or sand or obviously even accessing beaches i mean that's that i've heard just the the challenges that individuals have in terms of just accessing a public beach um i mean those are those are two huge ways that i could see that i bought being being helpful we are constantly thinking about different avenues to freedom of mobility. You know, we recognize that as being so valuable. And so, and we always ask anyone who uses an iBot out there, we always ask, send us pictures, tell us what you're doing. And so it's in cases like that where we have um, images of, of somebody out West who's fly fishing. And it shows them right in, you know, they're in the water. It's about three inches of water that's that's acceptable to be in, out in four-wheel mode. And he's out there fly fishing. And that's beautiful. Um, We have, like I mentioned before, another person climbed the steps as they were going, traveling with the family to Lincoln Memorial. Mm -hmm. Um, We have another person who actually does some shooting competitions. And so the fact that he's able to rise up and be in balance mode and moving while he is shooting is something that he has done and done demonstrations for us on. Uh, the first thing that really brought my attention to alternative um, uh, uh, sports and leisure was when I had somebody get in the iBot for the first time and I asked them where they wanted to go to try it out. <laughs> they actually asked to go to a bar. And, <laughs> and the reason for that is they wanted to find a bar with a dartboard. And mm. so we went there and the first thing, I mean, there was not a lot of talking, but they immediately got up into balance mode, pulled out their own darts, which I did not know that they had and shot a bullseye. And so this individual was competitive and did tournament play doing darts. But once um, after their injury, they were sitting lower in a chair and they were always having to arc it and it wasn't the same. And there was just a lot of loss with it not being the same and not some resistance to, you know, changing up the technique. And so it was really nice to see it all come back the minute they were able to get at that elevated level. Um, And that, again opened up that door back to some recreation. Um, so others, we've um, had some folks doing photography, um, giving a lot of different uh, vantage points versus just the one. You know, some people are able to get, you know, sit on the ground, lay on their stomach, stand up. You know, we've got all these different heights. And when you're in a wheelchair, your your range is very small. And so um, that also changed things for them. So a lot of different 
ideas that people can go into. And at the time that we have left, I'd love for like, if people are just wanting to learn more and, uh, and, uh, you know, interested in kind of seeing examples of the product, uh, what are what is your website and maybe some of the social media platforms that that you can connect people to? Oh yes, please check out our our website. Um, just look up Mobius Mobility, and we will come right up. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Um, we've been doing a lot of fun things with TikTok as we've been attending di- different expos and events around the country. And so we always try to capture some things that are happening there. That also is another way if people want to see the equipment, I would encourage them to reach out and call us and um, we can let you know where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we do put that out there also um, on our social media. Say, hey, we're coming to your town. You know, if anyone wants to come by and check it out. Um, otherwise, if we know we're going to be in different um, parts of the country, we let folk, we, we put it out there and say, if anybody wants to do a demo, um, we, we would use our time. We would extend our time so that we can kind of meet those needs. Uh, I think that we're very lucky that the iBot is much more accessible to people now. We have gone through our ACHC accreditation, which means we are now billing private insurance. So that's a big deal. You know, we we're on the federal Indeed. supply schedule. So we are um, veterans have access to the equipment. We have people paying privately for it. We do have a lot of nonprofits that are supporting the device for people. Um, but now it's private insurance. And so we're very excited that that we can put that out because we don't we don't want we want to get this to the people that need it. And um, it, it's really difficult when we have you know, when insurance is a limiting factor. So if people have questions about that, they absolutely can call us. And we have people in the office that will talk to them and look at what their insurance is and give an idea of what they might be looking for and what the potential coverage might be. Um, And and so please, please don't hesitate to give us a call. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Don. Thank you. This has been great, Sean. I appreciate you listening to everything I can tell you about the iBot. (laughs) 